family ties, about repairing the structure of the home, marriage, you know, just all the things. And in, in, in every area of life, if we'll do what God says to do, He'll bless us. He'll bless you. Now, I believe that, that the family is God's highest institution right here on earth. And the reason I say that is God's design was the things from heaven to go from generation to generation to generation. And that's what it says with from Isaac to Abraham to Jacob to Joseph. Now, in every arena of life, you play a different role. I still believe that the Abrahams were to speak into Isaac's lives, to Jacob's lives, to Joseph's, whether you're a, a dad, a grandparent, or want to be a grandparent, whatever down the line. It's still your responsibility to pass on the things of God. And it's the blessings of God plus the Word of God. I believe that's what Abraham taught Isaac. He said, listen, Isaac, you've got to follow the things of God. So that's the same thing for every one of us in this room. Now go with me to the book of Ephesians chapter 6. And once again, we're talking about repairing the, infra the infrastructure of the home. How do we do that? Listen, we've got to live by the Word of God. We must live by the Word of God, okay? John 8, 32 said, you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Okay, this is the problem, guys. We've gotten away from doing what the Bible says. And so this morning, you're not going to get fluff and puff and stuff. You're going to get the Word of God, okay? And I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to give you both barrels today in a loving way. I just want you to see the Bible, just the severity of the times we live in right now. And like you said, Jesus said in John 8, 32, you'll know the truth, the truth will set you free. Allow the Word to teach you today. Here we are, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1. Children, some translations say even youth, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Now, I like the phrase there, he says, in the Lord. If you are a true believer of the things of God, that means you're in the Lord. And if I'm not in the Lord, this thing called the Bible, this thing called the Word of God, it will make zero sense to you. I see people more and more saying, the Bible doesn't mean nothing to me. I don't know about you, the Bible means everything to me. This is my guide for life, and it's the guide for the church. And so this is big that we see in the Lord. Now, if we go down back and, and break down this verse a little bit, it says, children, youth, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Now, really, in this passage here, it could be said, anybody that lives under your roof is going to have to come under your structure, is going to have to come under your orders as the head of the home. Remember, the scripture says that a house divided cannot stand. So this is God's blueprint, his guideline. Now, the message says this. Do what your parents tell you. The word obey means to answer, to respond, and to submit without reservation. Now, here is this verse in a, in a nutshell to me. It is the responsibility of parents to teach our children to obey. If you have the mentality that your children are just going to get it, that's not going to happen. You have the mentality, just one day the light bulb's going to come on, that's not going to happen. And this is what God's telling you. You've got to begin to instruct them to obey. Verse 2, 
Honor your father and mother. Now, I want to highlight right there because that is big to every one of us in this room. If you have a mother or father, you are charged to honor them. You're charged. Now, listen to me. You don't have to. But God highly recommends it. And he goes on to say, it's the first commandment with promise. And so when you begin to look at this, understand that that God has dictated some things. He's put some things in order. Now, once again, you don't have to do this. But there's severe consequences when I don't. Actually, Proverbs 8.32 says, Blessed is the man who keeps his ways. So what is the first commandment with promise? Look what it says in verse 3. That it may be well with you and you may live long on this earth. How do I honor? With my words, with my actions, and with my attitudes. Now I can highlight something in here. Once again, you see that when I honor what God says to honor, there is a blessing. What was the blessing? That it'll be well with you in every aspect of your life and you'll live long life on this earth. Now, you don't have to do this. But there's another side to that. When you dishonor, the very opposite of a blessing is a curse. I believe this is a self-imposed curse that happens to us that when we don't do what Father God tells us right here. So God has structured this in our lives. Now, look what he says in verse 4. And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath. That word provoke means to irritate and to discourage. Now how can we do that? The first area we've got to talk about is is through harsh or angry yelling. Now this is a guideline to us fathers specifically. We're not to be harsh. We're not to yell at them. Now I'm going to use myself as an example a lot of times here this morning. I had a father that he he wouldn't yell, he wouldn't be harsh with us, but he would be stern. I knew by the tone of my father's voice when he wasn't playing. In other words, I I better pay attention. And so my father was was very loving in certain ways, but he was also a disciplinarian. You got to realize, I was raised in the home of a coach. And so when he gave me illustrations or things he asked me to do, he meant it. But he wasn't yelling, he wasn't angry, he wasn't harsh. The second area is nagging. Nagging, when we continually nag. Do this, do this, do this, do this. And in my own home, growing up, we had specific things that we must do before we went to school and even after school. Now, I knew these. These, these were on a, a, a bulletin board in, on a door. And you could see your daily responsibilities. And so when I would come home, my dad, instead of nagging and saying, why didn't you do this, he would look at this and just point. So you know what basically he was saying? Did you do it or didn't you do it? And my father didn't nag me. My father would discipline me. Why? Because of my bad choices. The third one, and this is a big one, guys, that I do not deride their efforts. In other words, maybe you had a parent that when you were growing up, it seemed like you could never do it right. It was never good enough. Now, here's the thing, parents. We must instruct in them certain ways. And just because you have a certain system of doing the dishes, they might not do it just like you. But don't put in there that you never can meet my expectations. 
Now, once again, I'm the example here, and I remember when my father began to teach me to mow the lawn. The first time I ever mowed the lawn, guys, you talking about giving my dad's front lawn a bad haircut. It looked, it looked horrible, guys. And so what happened when he came out and looked at it, he didn't go off on me. He didn't attack my character and say, stupid. He began to instruct me how to do it, and I began to understand. This is what he wanted. How many of you remember mowing the lawn your first few times, and if there was anything in the lawn, I'd just go around them. He'd say, we don't do that. You're going to stop the mower, and you're going to pick it up. Why? Because I said so. Okay. But I remember this very clearly, that to this day, my father still uses an electric lawnmower. He did back then, and he still does to this day. In my own life, I will never use another electric lawnmower. I use a gas mower to this day. You know why? Because I was scarred. From what? We had one of those extension, the, the orange extension cords, and about every two or three feet in it, it had a wad of black electric tape on there. And that was because me running over it. I'm telling you guys, if you've never done that before, it, and I don't encourage you to do it, but it was more impressive than the 4th of July. I mean, sparks would go everywhere, and my dad would come out of the house, and I'd see that look. Well, you know what he understood with me? I wasn't running over the court on purpose. It was just the 10-year-old's mistake that I'd just veer off, and there it goes. And so my father didn't discourage me in that area, but he kept, he kept teaching me. Now, the thing is, with, with child training, it's got to be done out of a motive of love, but also of patience. How many understand when you got kids, there's going to be a patience upon you? And so this is some of the guideline he tells us here. Now look what he ends in verse 4. Bring them up in the training, the discipline, the counsel, and the admonition of the Lord. Now look back one page to Ephesians chapter 5. And I want to read one verse in here that really sticks out to me here. And, and I believe... This must be the flavor of our home for every one of us. Verse 29. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but he nourishes it. The word nourish means to give what is necessary for growth. What would happen if we begin to nourish our homes, each other? And then he goes on to say this there in verse 29. And cherishes it just as the Lord does the church. Now, the word cherish means that we are to care and attend to. How are we to do that? Just as the Lord did. Now, God doesn't degrade us. He doesn't demean us. He's not critical to us. And so what would happen in our lives, our homes, if we begin to implement this? I believe this is big. And so everyone in this room right now, that you are entrusted with responsibility, with it comes correction, and discipline. Now this is what God's put on you. And it's one thing that you must understand. If you're a teenager or a child in here. Your parents have been authorized to correct and discipline. Thank you for that. Somebody's in agreement. Go with me to Proverbs chapter 23. Proverbs chapter 23. Now I'm going to say some things here this morning. That are biblically based. That's why I really wanted you to get the Bible. You've got to see this in the Word of God today, okay? Get this. Write these down. You meditate on them. You, you, you study them. 
Listen, guys, I struggled with speaking on this today. I bounced it off of Shelly because I realized so many times in our life that a lot of times people don't want to hear the truth. And I'm going to preach the truth. I'm good with it. I realize certain things. But a lot of times people get mad. They get irritated. They'll cuss you. They'll leave the church over stuff like this. But the Lord began to speak this to my heart. And he said, listen, when you speak the word of God, people aren't necessarily getting mad at you. They're really getting mad at me. They don't like the word of God. So you know what I can tell you today? If you don't like this, get mad at God. I'm going to preach the truth, okay, guys? That's why I'm going to give you a bunch of scripture here this morning. Now, as we're turning there, and maybe you're already to Proverbs 23, let me ask you a question. How many of you have ever witnessed or seen or experienced when a, a, a child or even a teenager came into a room, they changed the whole atmosphere and environment? Some of you say, Pastor, I see that every day right now. I see that every day. For good or bad. I've been in rooms where teenagers came in that were so honored and it was awesome. But most of the time we talk about this from a negative slant. How many of you have been, ever been in a restaurant with a disobedient child? What would that do to you? It's a lot of fun, wasn't it? How about at Walmart? When I'm in Walmart and I hear a disobedient child, you know what always happens with me anymore? I go as far away from there as I can. I get away from it. How about this in an airplane, airport? Now, this happened to me recently. There was a little boy there, and I'm, I'm telling you, he was the description of disobedience. And you know what I said out of my mouth? I prayed two things right there. I prayed, number one, I said, Father God, I pray he's not on my plane. And number two, if he is on my plane, I pray he doesn't sit anywhere around me. Now, when I look at a disobedient child, guys, you've got to understand this. I'm not going to blame the child. The child is just doing what the B-I-B-L-E said he would do. Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child. So ultimately, the responsibility comes to parents. Now, this is what happens with many parents nowadays. Maybe when you were disciplined as a child, it was done out of anger and it was done harsh. And so what happens many times with parents that way, that they, they saw discipline done in this ditch where it was wrong, so instead of ever discipline again, they swing all the way over here and say, I'll never do that to my child. The key is we get right there on the middle of the road what Father God wants us. Now, Proverbs 23, verse 13. Do not withhold correction from a child. Do not withhold discipline from a child. Now, do you get this right here? This is what Father God said. Some of you say amen. Some of you say, oh, me. For if you beat him with the rod, he will not die. Now, I want to highlight a word in there, if. If. You know what the message says? Spanking him won't kill him. That's what the message says. Now, I want to highlight in here, guys, this is not to be done out of a motive of anger or harshness. It's got to be done out of the love of God. Now, many of us in here, and this kind of dates a lot of us, but I was brought up where this took place constantly. I mean, even at school. And when Father God talks about this, he created every one of us in this room with some padding. Call your rump. And some of you have worked on that padding a little more over the years. But I look and I think this. There's many in this room... We were disciplined that way. 
And some of us turned out pretty good. It didn't kill us. We're still here. Now, my point in saying this, guys, is I, I remember in school, back then, guys, they'd still swatch you. And when I would go in for swats, I had a principal named Mr. Viabla. I still see him named Pete Viabla. And he would swat me so hard that I promise it looked like dust or chalk coming out of my pants. Now, you know what that did to me? That lined me out for about a week. And then I'd walk back in there and I'd see him. And, man, he would pop me hard enough where it would convince me, I don't want to go back in there and see him again. But, see, in this situation here, we've got to start looking at, at what the Bible says here. And many times, guys, we resist this. Many times people in our society right now, you know what we'll say? But psychologists have said, if you do this, or people who are with degrees in children's development, they'll say, if you do this, you will uh, mess up their personality. You will change what God says for them. Now, you know what? You can believe that if you want. That's okay. That's your own belief. But if I'm really a believer, and I really believe the Word of God, when I say those things, if you want man's results, do it man's ways. If you, do, if you want God's results, do it God's ways. But when you say it does not work, you know what you're saying in essence? Father God, you're stupid. Whoa. Yeah, wait a minute. Think about this, guys. Did God create us? Did God, and so right here, when people say, Pastor, that stuff's outdated. It is? See, either this book is all true or none of it's true. And so many people say, you can't do that because a child is incapable of learning that way. So God didn't know what he was talking about. Or two, this is a big one, we pity him. I could never spank little Susie. I couldn't either spank little Johnny. Look how innocent he is. Well, we can either do it God's way and get God's results, or we do it man's ways. Now hang in here with me. I want you to look at verse 14. And this is where it gets really, really good, guys. Once again, you shall beat him with the rod in a loving way, affectionate way, and deliver his soul from hell. Now, this, this is where it really began to move on me, guys. That word hell right there is the same word for the word shoal, which means eternal damnation. And as I began to look at this, and I looked and looked and read and looked and cross-referenced verses back and forth, it began to touch my heart. And this is the thing that began to come up. That disciplining of your child is a heaven and hell issue. It has eternal significance if I trust what he said. How is it that it has eternal significance? Listen real close to what I'm saying. If your child is never taught to obey your voice or your child is never taught to surrender his will to your authority, it becomes very, very, very difficult for them to ever obey God's voice and surrender their will to Father God. This is the eternal significance. And when I looked at this, I began to see the importance of this, God. It moved me. It moved me so much reading this that I would begin to weep and I would cry and I'd think, 
I look at our society, and we've tried to do everything man's ways, and look where we're at. And so once again, the structures, let's do it God's way. Now, it just didn't have spiritual significance here when you read this. It had earthly significance. Let me tell you about the earthly significance. There's a Jewish commentary I read called the Tanakh. The Tanakh says this, that when a mother and father employ discipline on their children, it will help them from ever committing a capital offense. And as I looked at those two things, it alarmed me. It shook me, guys. I'm telling you, it, it broke my heart. And I look, and I love statistics, and when you look in federal correctional institutions in America, the vast majority of males that are there are ones that never had a father figure. And without the father figure, there wasn't hardly any discipline ever given to them. So ultimately, what happened? Exactly what this verse said. And even when you went to women in federal correction institutes, it's the same result. It's the same thing. And so this, this sent up flags all to me. And I thought, so Lord, really what ends up happening is when we don't obey your word right here, we are really setting our children up for something none of us desire to happen. Whoa, Pastor. Yeah, it's severe, guys. It is severe in our society right now. Turn with me just a page back to Proverbs 22. Proverbs chapter 22. Now listen, every one of these verses that I'm going to give you in Proverbs, they cross-reference themselves back and forth. How does this apply to every one of us in this room? Well, think about this, guys. Many of you in here may be great-grandparents. There may be grandparents in here. There may be parents. There may be ones that want to be parents. So really, ultimately, it affects every one of us. So my job now in my life, listen, guys, I don't have anybody living at home no more. So really, in the natural, I, I give a flip. Why would I preach on this? It doesn't affect me. It does affect me. Because I believe this with all my heart, that when Abraham told Isaac, he's like, listen, Isaac, you've got to do this. Why? To help Jacob. And tell Jacob he's got to begin to learn the things of God. Why? To help Joseph. So it goes on and on and on and on and on. And if you're a grandparent or great-grandparent in here, encourage them. Discipline your children. Pastor, do you do that? I do. I do. When my little granddaughter comes in and, and I've seen her little eyes red because I knew she got her little bottom tattooed, I don't look at my daughter my son-in-law and say, how dare you do that? How could you do that? You know what Poppy says? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You know why he says that? Because wisdom comes in and foolishness goes out. And every one of them. Thank you, thank you, thank you. How do you know that, Pastor Will? Proverbs 22, verse 15. Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. Well, not my child. Oh, he's that special. Foolishness is bound up in her child. So guess what? When we come into this earth, we got foolishness. Pastor, did you have foolishness? I had a double dose of it, guys. The thing is, some of us have a little more foolishness than others. So what was the, uh, the, the, the symptom here? What was the prescription? Look what he says. The rod of correction of discipline will drive it. What's the it? The foolishness far from him. Now the message says this. They're prone to foolishness. 
The cure is discipline. Now, can I tell you something about the Word of God right here? How many of you, the first time you ever heard as far as forgiveness, that it said when someone wronged you, you got to forgive them? You know what? I said, that's crazy. We don't forgive, we get even. And so when I looked at the Word of God, I said, that doesn't, that doesn't make sense. But listen, here's the thing with the Word of God. You must receive it by faith. Even though I may not understand it, I do understand this, that this is God's Word to me. And if I begin to obey the Word of God, there's blessings. Think about when you tithe or you give. The first time I tithe, I thought, that doesn't make sense. But I begin to step out by faith and do it. Well, see, this is the same thing with child discipline. Many times we don't receive it by faith. We look and think, nah, that's outdated. That stuff doesn't happen anymore. But right here he tells me what will begin to happen. Now, I want to highlight something again. Remember, this is done out of the love of God. This is done out of the love of God. Can I tell you a true thing I saw that happened just recently? It's, it's always an educational experience for me to go to Walmart. It's amazing what God teaches me there. Patience and love. But I'm in there, and this just happened. There's a little boy, 9 or 10, and I'm telling you, he, he is so disobedient. He's so disobedient that I just stand on the end of the aisle, and I thought, I'm going to watch this. This is going to be good. This is really going to get. So his mom tells him something. He says, no, 9 or 10. I want this. I want. Well, this goes on for a little bit of time, and finally she says, do you want time out? And I think, what does she think he's going to say? Yeah, put me in there. This goes on and on. Do you want time out? Do you? She keeps repeating it, keeps repeating it. And so I thought, man, this is great. This is better than Judy's court or whatever. This is awesome. So I sit there. Well, the dad sees me. He gets nervous. He gets embarrassed. And he comes over there and he says, Johnny, do you want timeout? I promise you guys, the word timeout was mentioned 25 times. And I thought, you guys are getting somewhere here. It says here, foolishness bound up in the heart of child, but timeout will deliver them. See, guys, we quit doing it God's way. You know what? In my own life, the only time my dad took time out was when he took time out from work to come and discipline me. He said, you're not going to act that way. It's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. And so guess what? Guys? You can go ahead and exempt yourself from doing this, but I want you to see the, 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 the consequences. And you can say, Pastor, I don't agree with you. Okay. Okay, that's your business. Look with me. Proverbs 13. Proverbs 13. I believe this, guys. That before they're 13, you better use the rod of correction on them. Why is that? Well, most Jewish commentaries say a child will start becoming responsible for his own actions at the age of 12 or 13. If you don't get that in them by 12 or 13, usually there's some severe consequences. Now, I heard this just this week. This was a staggering, staggering statistic to me. Less than 3% of all 13-year-olds in the United States of America today, they live their life based on the Word of God. Less than 3%. So guess what? I don't know. Just say there's 100 of us in here. That'd be three of them. That's it. 
So my question was, what are they living their life based on? What is teaching our children? The TV? MTV? Movies? It is shocking to me. And so this is the thing, guys. We raise them up in the admonition of the Lord and we tell them, this is what the Word of God says. This is what the Word of God tells me to do and not to do. And I believe, guys, this has got to go back into our homes. This is part of the, the repairing of the infrastructure. That we're so out of line. Proverbs 13, verse 24. What do you do, Pastor, after they've turned 13? Well, I know there's different forms of discipline. Deprivation, reprimandum. I mean, you, you understand that when they start getting physically bigger. I do know at times you still bust them with the rod. Let me tell you, thank you, there we go, there we go. Somebody's in agreement. In this verse, we've all probably heard it say this way, you spoil the rod, you spare the child, or you spare the rod, you spoil the child. How many have ever heard that? You spare the rod, you spoil the child. Well, if you look here in, in Proverbs 13, verse 24, look what it says. He who spares his rod hates his son. So really, he who spares the rod spoils the child. That's not true. It's he who spares the rod, he, ultimately, he really hates his child. Why is that? Look what it goes on to say. But he who loves him disciplines him promptly. Promptly. Now get a hold of this, guys. I'm going to give you four guidelines here. The reason we discipline them promptly is so they can connect the disobedience with the behavior. They understand. This is why we're doing it. So when they do something right then, you look and say, listen, you can't do that. Why did you shoot your sister with the BB gun? See, that's disobedience. And so promptly we correct them there. Right there, where they understand. The second one is this, guys. We are to discipline without anger. This is big for men. I had a woman in the first service said, my, my kids... They do not discipline their kids now because what their father did to them back then. And, and the thing is, when you discipline with anger, listen guys, anger will not accomplish a healthy or desired change in a child. Number three, get this, we are to, disciple or to discipline our children while there is hope. Proverbs 19, 18 says, discipline them while there is hope. What does that mean? If I don't discipline them with hope, guys, something's going to happen while there is hope. Something's going to happen, guys, where we set them up where you don't want. Now listen to me real close here. Once again, statistically. In our nation, the way they can decide how many more jail cells we need, how many more prisons we need to build in the United States, Listen to how this takes place. They begin to monitor the activities, the behaviors, the attitudes of sixth graders. And when a sixth grader, which is roughly 12 years old, is becoming rebellious and causing problems within their home and within their classrooms, they can mark that child and say, He's a prime candidate to be in prison. This rocked me when I saw that. 
that they can begin to predict from a 12-year-old what's going to happen. And so I read this and I think, discipline them while there's hope. Now the last one is this. We are to discipline our children with the intent of addressing both behavior and attitudes. What do I mean by that, guys? I don't discipline them against their character. In other words, I don't look and say, you're stupid. You're never going to get that. You're just like your daddy. No, I discipline based on their disobedience, their behaviors, and their attitudes. When I begin to say, this is what I've asked you to do, and you didn't do it. So the ultimate golden discipline is when you be able to give them instruction, if they obey it, oh, happy day. But if they don't, you better learn to get the rod out and begin to tell them, this is what you did. This is big, guys. One of the first things you need to understand is you lay the laws down and tell them, this is why you're being disciplined. Jesse, this is why I'm disciplining you. I ask you not to shoot your sister with the BB gun, and you did it. Why do you harp on that, Pat? Because I used to do that. I had a young sister. She's good target practice. Those BB guns were broken. The first thing, guys, is I make sure they understand why. Number two, just like with Father God, think about this. When we blow with Father God, you know what the Bible says? God corrects those he loves. It doesn't say he punishes them. He corrects them. And so the, the number two thing is with Father God, we must get to the point where we repent. You tell your kids, you need to repent. Number three, when I repent, I ask Father God to forgive me. You walk them through all this and lead them in a prayer and say, now, you ask mommy or daddy to forgive you and you forgive them. And this is number four, and this is a big one. That you embrace them with love and you tell them, mommy and daddy, we love you. You're a good boy. You're a good girl and you're going to make good choices. And we end up with something very, very positive. Now, once again, I'm disciplining because of their behavior, not on character issues. i got to keep following this. You know, it's proven, guys, this, that when parents don't discipline their children, ultimately the children despise them. Now, I witnessed anger in a bunch of college age just recently. I witnessed rebellion in them. And you know what I think a lot of it is a result of? They were never disciplined. There was a void there. Now, when I, I read the statistics, even on when, it, when parents don't discipline their children, their children despise them, you may have saw this in the paper, and it was either yesterday or it was Friday. There was a 17-year-old in a city right outside of Fort Worth called Lido. Lived in a very uh, upscale neighborhood, very influential neighborhood. His dad's away from the, how, the, the home on business. And for some reason, he takes a 22 caliber, boom, shoots his mom. Boom, shoots his sister. Both of them, they both die. They pick him up on the 911 call, and he's very calm. He tells the, the, the person on the other end of the line everything he's done. He said, you know, I've been thinking about doing this for a while. He said, I don't know why I did it. But he said it was really different than what I thought it would be. And I looked and I thought, many times we give our children life on a platter. 
We hand everything to them, and then all of a sudden, because there's no discipline in there, that despises them, and it's a boomerang. It comes right back around. I know a man right now that has several boys, and he told me. He said, I've done an injustice to my boys. He said, I hired a maid to clean our house several times a month. And he said, I want to be good to my wife. But he said, ultimately, you know what I've done to my boys? They don't appreciate nothing. He said, I got teenage boys who do not know how to make their bed. They can't do any laundry. They don't do the dishes. And he said, you know what the sad thing is? They don't want to. And see, I think this is, as parents my age, our generation, many of us didn't have a lot of things. So you know what we've said? The things I didn't have, I want to bless my children, but we forgot to discipline them. We forgot to train them up. Proverbs 127.4 says this, Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are children. What does that mean? Where does an arrow go? Exactly where I aim it. And it says, so are children. Let me ask you this today. Where are you pointing your children? Do we point them to the things of God? See, listen, some of you, you got to get this on the inside of me. And you know what? If you don't want to do that's fine. I'm just telling you what the Bible says, and I believe this is what's wrong with our society. This is what's wrong with the church. We want to play God. We want to play church, but we don't want to do what God said, whether it's in our marriage or our children. And so once again, I tell you, you're going to get the truth today. You're going to get the truth today. And I want you to learn that today. You come, you have your Bible, you mark every one of these scriptures. And you know what? If you disagree, you're more than welcome to come and tell me. I'm okay with that. But I do understand this. I'm not playing with people's just their daily life. We're playing with eternity here, guys. And it bothers me. One of our, our men in our church... Bob Worth, who's on our board, Bob's right around 70. And I was with him on Friday. And he said to me, he said, Pastor, it bothers me, the, the condition of our nation. He said, I get the opportunity to play golf with a guy who's 85. I said, he still plays golf? And he said, yeah. He said, he'll walk 18 holes? And I was like, yes. I loved it. But he said he begins to share with me of all the different wars he fought in. And he said, you know what? One day I realized I'm getting to experience everything he fought for. And when Bob said that, I looked and I thought, so many of us in our society right now, we have this thought, America's always been this way and America's always going to be this way. Not. If we don't start living by the things of God. And he said this to me, Bob. He said, Pastor, I realize at my age that before long I'm going to be out of here. I'm going to be out of here. But he said, it breaks my heart to think what little kids right now are going to be walking into in a few years. And that's what tears me up. Just even for ones of you in this room, and I got grandkids. And this is, this is my hurt right now that I look and I think, oh God, I don't want them to go through that stuff. 
You know, this is the first time in my life almost that I, I think this at times, and I know it's wrong, but I want to look at people and say, don't have kids. Don't have kids because all the crud they're going to be going through. And that's wrong for me to think that. But yet I look and, and I see the way our nation has gone downhill in just years. And even the church, that we've become irrelevant anymore, where we don't have to be if we'll continue to do the Word of God. So I want you to understand, I'm not preaching from a condemnation standpoint. I'm preaching from, let's obey God. Let's celebrate the things of God and say, man, let's, let's do our best. And guess what? As a parent, I failed. There's things I did that I wish I could do under, but you know what? I've tried my best. And I try to live by the things of God right now. Stand up with me. And that's all I can ask you to do today. But guess what, parents? Ultimately... The responsibility falls upon you. The responsibility.